This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Thanks for being with us this morning. Well, a new study takes a look at how we approach the issue of sea lice, particularly off of our coast, and what we're focusing on and perhaps what we should include in that realm. Joining me to talk a little bit more about this is Sean Goodwin, or Godwin. He is a PhD candidate at SFU. And Sean, thank you so much for being with us this morning. No worries. Thanks, Joe. Uh, so what exactly are you looking at, or did, does this study look at when it comes to uh, sea lice uh, off of our waters? Yeah, so we know that wild juvenile salmon, as they're migrating away from their rivers, for example, Fraser River moving through Vancouver, we know that they swim past uh, salmon farms such as in Discovery Islands, and as they do, they pick up sea lice. And we found that wild juvenile sockeye salmon swimming away from the Fraser River, that they grow more slowly when they are heavily infected with sea lice. And how did you do the research to find that? Well, we went out with a big crew and a, and a bunch of nets in a small boat, and we just went out and caught uh, a lot of these migrating sockeye salmon. Um, we then, uh, unfortunately, we had to kill them, and then we took out uh, what are called otoliths um, from uh, from their heads, their, their, their ear stones. And otoliths are like trees. They have rings in them, um, the growth rings, except they uh, they have them on the daily scale, unlike trees, which have them on the annual scale. So you can actually see how much a fish grew um, in the days before you caught it just by looking at the rings of its otoliths. And we found that um, in the 10 days before we caught them uh, in these otoliths, uh, these fish were growing more slowly when they had more lice on them. And what about the species of lice? Yeah, so um, almost all the research and all of the attention has been on one main species of of lice on our coast. And that makes sense because most people consider it to influence the fish more. And around the world, it's way more influential as well. But on this coast, we have another species of lice as well. And no one's really paying attention to it, and they certainly don't think about it um, on the salmon farms. Uh, and we found, um, and and we've we found in other studies as well, that our juvenile sockeye salmon, that second species that most people are ignoring, that species is pretty much the only species that actually infects our wild sockeye salmon, and that almost all of our sockeye salmon are infected by these sea lice. So although salmon farms actually try to control sea lice outbreaks, and they do pretty well, they control them with chemicals in the food of the salmon farm, they target the wrong species of sea lice for our sockeye, and so big outbreaks can and still do occur on farms. And how do you know then the, the salmon that you caught and the salmon that you studied? How do you know that the lice that was on that salmon came from fish farms? So that was beyond the scope of our of our study. So we don't know specifically that the sea lice on our salmon were from salmon farms. But a previous study um, on these exact same fish, the Fraser River sockeye salmon, migrating through this exact same region through the Discovery Islands of BC. Uh, had already linked um, sea lice on sockeye salmon to salmon farms in that region. Uh, the The Salmon Farming Association uh, has said that they come out saying that, that they do have a, a plan in place. As you said, they do treat um, the fish that they raise. Uh, they do monitor uh, sea lice levels. They have to report those findings to the DFO. Um, so, so is this kind of, is it unfairly pointing the finger at them if we don't know that in this case the, the sea lice even came from salmon farms? Well, as I said, previous studies have already linked sea lice on these juvenile sockeye uh, to salmon farms. It just We just couldn't do both things at once. Um, 
And as I said, salmon farms do do a generally a pretty darn good job of controlling one species of sea lice on their farms. And it's resulted in some really positive conservation outcomes for salmon populations that had previously been affected by sea lice. I just think, uh, and this study has, has, has evidence that we should probably start considering this other species of sea lice that's actually infecting our wild juvenile sockeye salmon when making these treatment decisions on salmon farms along sockeye migration routes. And that's because these outbreaks have, uh, ha- have occurred and are still, and are still occurring. For example, one study last year found that on a salmon farm during the sockeye migration uh, period, uh, 100% of the fish on the salmon farm had this species of sea lice that everyone's ignoring, and there were about 48 of them on every, on every fish on average. Uh, so with the treatments that are already in place for the other species, are they so different that the treatment does nothing for this, this, this particular species? No, absolutely not. When they treat on salmon farms, this other species of, of sea lice is, is just as affected by, by the chemicals probably. The issue is that salmon farms uh, treat when the first species gets above a certain threshold. So when there's uh, three, at least three individuals um, of the first species of sea lice on, on all their salmon on average, they start treating. But if those, if that species is kept low, they have no reason to treat. And so the, so the one species that everyone's ignoring can just get out of control. Wouldn't they see the other species though? They do, and they count them, um, but, but they don't do anything about it. Uh, so what would you like to, to see happen going forward from this research? Uh, as I said, I just, I think, and others now think that there's growing evidence that this species of sea lice that no one's paying attention to could have real impacts on our wild sockeye, not just this, this most recent study. So we should probably start considering this species of lice that actually infects our wild sockeye salmon when making these treatment decisions. All right. And are you continuing with the research? Yeah, I'm finishing up my PhD as we speak. Um, and uh, we have a couple, a couple more things down, coming down the line uh, regarding the species of, of celos and their potential effects on sockeye salmon. All right. Well, Sean, great to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, Jill. All right. That is Sean Godwin. He is a PhD candidate at SFU talking about a study dealing with sea lice in the wild salmon population and possible links to fish farms off the BC coast. Uh, Your thoughts on this? If this is a topic close to your heart, we'd love to hear from you. You can give the Buzz line a call, 604-331-BUZZ. Speaking of the Buzz line, we're also taking your calls on Father's Day today. Yes, it is Father's Day today, in case you had forgotten. If you want to give your dad a bit of a shout out, you want to share a memory of your father, tell us why your father is important to you, leave that recording on our Buzz line and we will play those a bit later on in the program. The number again, 604-331-288. Nine, nine. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, Insights West has done a poll taking a look at Canada's most respected professions. You might be surprised, although I wasn't overly surprised at the professions that made the top of the list. Probably not too, too surprised at what professions are at the bottom of the list. Mario Canseco is going to join us and walk us through the study. We'll talk to him when we return right here on Newstalk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is Newstalk 980 CKNW.